and welcome to the Peaceful Pastures podcast, finding peace in the pastures, spending 10 minutes each day with your shepherd. I am Pastor Daniel Lewig, and this podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministries of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. On day two, we capture the context. We recognize our world today is just a little bit different than the world at the time of the Bible. There are customs, practices, idioms, descriptions of locations that are lost on us. On this day, we take the opportunity to explore the context of the chapters in front of us. As we explore this context taking place surrounding our lesson, let us first begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It's important to understand even not just context of regions, which we're going to talk about today. The first one is just understanding the context of Jesus, of Jesus himself, how he was received, how he acted. Because our culture today has turned Jesus into an accepting Jesus, a God of love, tolerance. The problem is this is only a half-truth, and it's greatly missing context. Was Jesus the nice Jesus that everyone celebrates today? Let's explore the examples in our lesson. As we look at Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman, what is it that he tells her over the course of this discourse? When she wants to know more, what he says is, go find your husband, go get your husband, and then come back here. And the woman tries to just say uh, very casually, I, I do not have a husband. And then Jesus reveals the next step, right? He says, what you said is quite true. In fact, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the person that you're with now is not your husband. What he said is very true. What did Jesus do there? What did Jesus do there that as a society we do our best to try to sweep under the rug or avoid altogether? There are many churches that minimize God's law, that don't even try to talk about God's law. Some famous televangelists like to say that they don't even want to bring up the topic of sin at all. We live in a culture that doesn't like to point out our flaws, our failings, our weaknesses. And if you dare to do that, well, you're considered judgmental, unloving. And people try to draw Jesus into that picture for their argument. Except again, it doesn't paint the accurate picture of what Jesus does numerous times in the Gospels. Jesus points out her sin in a very pointed way. He lays it all in front of her. And culturally, would, would we have expected Jesus to respond that way? Would we have wanted Jesus to respond that way? Here you're trying to say that the Savior has come. You're trying to tell her all the wonderful things of the gospel, and you just rubbed her nose and all the failings of her life. Not exactly the nice Jesus that is portrayed today. 
Jesus also, at the beginning of his ministry, what's the, the words that he uses as he announces and proclaims God's word? He says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Doesn't tell everyone they're accepted as they are. The word repent is a word that means to literally make a U-turn. Stop the sinful way that you are acting, behaving, being, and turn back to God. That's Jesus' message. Again, not an easy one for ears to hear. In Nazareth, in his hometown, when they struggle to believe that he is the one who has come, uh, the, the fulfillment of the prophecy that he read to them in the, in the synagogue, does Jesus try to cajole them try to convince them, point out more things, or what does he do instead? He shows in a very hard manner previous ways in which God showed his judgment on their stubborn, hard hearts. And says he didn't come to the aid of widows that were here in Israel, but no, he went to the widow outside of Israel during the famine that was taking place in the days of Elijah. Jesus was not the way that he is typically portrayed today. Jesus did speak the law. And Jesus had hard messages. And when Jesus no longer provided free meals and entertainment through miracles, when his message was no longer easy, when it was no longer just attacking those in authority, when his message involved the cross— then most of the crowds left at that time, too. If Jesus did all of this in our culture today, our cancel culture would come for him as well, in the same way his culture did in Scripture. Much later in, in, in Scripture, as this is happening, Jesus asks his disciples, you are not going to leave me too, are you? Then we get the beautiful words, that follow from the disciples. Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Now, Jesus didn't just righteously judge. He did show mercy and love to those who were the, the crowds already written off as not worthy. He did show compassion and grace. But context tells us you can never disconnect the two. Jesus did judge. Jesus never excused sin. He later tells us in the Gospels that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus pointed out sin, condemned sin, all with the goal of showing someone their need for a Savior. It's what he did with the Samaritan woman. The woman tried to pass off the conversation and take it somewhere else, trying to say that we know that the Savior is going to come who is going to explain all of this to us. And it's at that point, Jesus tells her, I who am speaking to you am he. Yes, Jesus points out her sin to show her need for the Savior, only then to reveal that the Savior has come. The one who is speaking to you 
is the one who will die for you for those very sins. Jesus came to suffer what the law required, to suffer and die on a cross, so he could fulfill the law and present us as perfect fulfillers of the law through his work. As we explore the geographic context, uh, we will, as part of our, our Facebook posts, we will have a couple of pictures of uh, the map, map of the area and region to understand what is being described here as we walk through some of the areas that are so relevant uh, and listed in our, in our scripture readings to get the visual to connect with the historical element of what, what these areas were like at the time of Jesus. If we first look at the region of Galilee, this area is one of the most beautiful in Israel. It is clearly divided by major geographical points on every side, bound to the south by the Jezreel Valley, to the north by the mountains in Lebanon, to the east by the Sea of Galilee, and to the west by coastal, a coastal mountain range. The full region is roughly 40 miles by 30 miles. Depending upon whose numbers you use, the population estimate for the region of Galilee at this time was between 200,000 and 700,000 people. Galilee is broken up by two regions, Lower Galilee and Upper Galilee. Lower Galilee is where the larger population base was with very fertile land, fitting agrarian culture and life. Upper Galilee had some of the same features, but was much smaller due to the surrounding hill country and, mount and mountainous land. It was very rural and remote. Some areas were as high as 4,000 feet above sea level. Upper Galilean residents had a reputation of being contrarian or rebels. They were ones who initially resisted Herod's Roman rule. This would also explain why Peter was a little more nervous than just being associated with Jesus when he was in the temple courts when Jesus was on trial. When he was referred to as a Galilean, it meant more than just a connection to Jesus. It fed into the belief of opposing Roman rule and standing in defiance of Caesar. It is in this more rural and remote area that Jesus begins his earthly ministry. Here is some more detail about the specific towns mentioned in our text this week. While we understand the Sea of Galilee, sometimes we hear a different name called Gennesaret. So why, why the two names? The Sea of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. What are, what's the significance of Gennesaret? Well, Gennesaret was a district on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was about three regional miles. It is referred to as the Paradise of Galilee. Its soil was so deep and, and rich and with amazing fertility. It's located not far from, from Capernaum. About a mile separated the sea from any portion of this region. Gennesaret is the Greek name for Chinnereth in Hebrew. When referring to Lake Gennesaret, it is specifically speaking about this section and region. As mentioned with Capernaum, Capernaum was a vibrant seafaring town right off the Sea of Galilee. This area of Gennesaret and Capernaum would be the headquarters of Jesus' earthly ministry. He taught often in the synagogue in Capernaum. It became the adopted hometown of Jesus after the rejection in Nazareth. Today, there is nothing much to Capernaum. It is a city primarily of ruins. But outside a gate that enters where, where 
what people can visit today, there is a sign that reads, The Hometown of Jesus. Cana, largely known for Jesus' first miracle at the wedding, in our text, a second miracle occurs where, the, where an official came to Jesus for help, asking him to come and heal his son, who is deathly sick. It is in Cana where he finds Jesus and where Jesus tells him to return home because his son has been healed. Cana was also the hometown of Nathanael. John records this for us in his gospel in chapter 21, verse 2. Could, could be one of the reasons why not only Jesus but also his disciples were invited to the wedding. One of the many, also one of the many fulfillments of Jesus' words to Nathaniel, you will see much more than that. Cana was located about five to ten miles northwest of Nazareth, and like we see today with small towns that are high school football rivals, could explain why Nazareth said what good can why Nathaniel said what good can come from Nazareth. Syria is mentioned in our portion of the Gospels that people were coming to him from all over Syria, coming to Jesus from all over Syria. Syria is located to the north of Galilee, north of Israel territory. This area was rich in history, especially connecting uh, Old Testament history. This area is part of the Babylonian, Assyrian, and Persian empires. This region was used in history as part of God's judgment on Old Testament Israel, but also shared in God's grace in mission expansion in later New Testament times. Damascus was the capital city of Syria. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him in a vision. The Syrian town of Antioch was the first major center of Christendom uh, as part of Paul's missionary journeys and a center Paul would use for further mission expansion. At the time of Jesus, this area was sprinkled with Jews and Gentiles, the area of Syria. Many Jews who lived there were disconnected from most Jewish worship life and rarely traveled to Jerusalem or the temple. Many Jews would have considered them spiritual outcasts. But what do we see here? They come to Jesus. And this is what we marvel at. In this little area of the world, not even the capital city of little Israel, the Son of God shines his light. But as we later see in Scripture, that light that has dawned will go around the world. And again, notice God's design. Jesus here is planting seeds for the gospel that Paul will later use to turn into a strong Christian group who will support his mission work to spread the gospel around the world at the time. This wraps up today's podcast. We invite you to join in next time and take the opportunity to share our podcast with someone in your life who could use some peace in the pastures. You can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at Christ Countryside Wells, W-E-L-S, at yahoo.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministry of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. Music used with permission from Koine, part of their soundtrack to Oh That the Lord Would Guide My Ways. You can find their music on iTunes and many other online musical stores. Scripture used in this podcast is from the Evangelical Heritage Version, used with permission from the Wartburg Project. This is Pastor Daniel Lewig wishing you God's richest blessings on your day.